Welcome to the Inner Trends Podcast. Welcome to the future of mobility. Simply stay on track. So, welcome back to the InnoTrans podcast here with our brand new episode. And uh, today we got a guest, we got a premiere, we got the first um, professor actually joining us, um, Professor Dr. Ziefkes. He's a major expert in the field of mobility and he's working for an exhibitor where many of you may wonder why are they actually exhibiting at InnoTrans. It's the German Aerospace Center. But first of all, as usual, I welcome now on show Kerstin Schulz and she got to Today, a really, a, a really cool topic. Hi, Kerstin. Hi, Tim. How are you today? Uh, sunny and warm, and uh, a <laughs> bit, a bit. I, I feel it in my fingers. You know, you know when there's this feeling in the fingers that you're, that there is something, something going on. And with the topic, when you sent me the topic, there, there was this little feeling in my fingers because we're talking now about the hackathon, the hack train. Kerstin, yeah. can you tell us something about that? Yeah, we had the first um, hack train hackathon at InnoTrans in 2018. There were around 80 hackers from 30 countries. Um, they were working in a very short time. I think they had only 48 hours to present um, a solution um, for uh, new innovations to the rail industry. Mm. And um, there was a team called Veggie on Rails, which is really <laughs> funny because you think of um, cucumbers and carrots. But actually, it's uh, they won the first place, and it's um, they they developed a 3D modeling engine that is capable of uh, automatically identifying overgrown vegetation. Um, that has the potential to damage track infrastructure. And I okay. think it's very important because when the driver is um, driving and there's a tree on the tracks, could be very dangerous, right? It is. It is indeed. It's a major, a major issue. I like every time, for example, we have a huge storm. There's always the warning, um, and that is uh, really impressive. Frankly, uh, that in 48 hours there are people at Innotrans uh, gathering and uh, willing to find a solution. So that's a really cool um, project. I, I hope we we can we can have the uh, the um, the leader. The actually his title is. Chief uh, Executive Officer River Tamur Beg. I hope we we can have him some sometime uh, soon, uh, maybe at the Innotrans podcast as well, because it's it's a major topic, and uh, I guess uh, we will have the hack train again at Innotrans 2022, Cassian. Yeah, right? I'm pretty sure. <laughs> And then maybe we we have another big uh, issues and topics and. One of the solutions could be about one of the topics we are having now at the interview with Professor Dr. Ziefkes from the German Aerospace Center. Um, so everybody who's interested in hacking or maybe everyone who has a major issue, listen now to the interview and write us at uh, podcast at innotrans.de. Maybe you have a topic that the hack train uh, folks could solve at Innotrans 2022. Maybe make your life easier. Or our life, Kerstin. I mean, uh, good connections with train is always important. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, thank you, Kerstin. It was nice having you here on show. And I guess now it's time for um, for the Aerospace Center. Yeah. Thank you and have fun. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Bye.
So today we have the German Aerospace Center DLR here at our InnoTrans podcast. I welcome Tiag Siefkes. Hello, nice to have you on show. Well, welcome from my side. So um, normally we start with the with the icebreaker InnoTrans intro questions, and I usually tell something. I could tell that you are now heading the uh, new established new rail vehicles department at DLR Institute of Vehicle Concepts since November 2018. And I could also say that your department investigates how new technologies from the rail sector affect society, the economy and the environment and how they should be implemented. But first of all, our, our usual podcast listener would say, what has the German Aerospace Center to do with uh, the railway? Yeah, first of all, it's uh, the title of the organization, um, German Aerospace Center. So it uh, <coughs> deals with uh, airplanes, of course, uh, with um, aerospace um, research as well. But this is a large um, research organization with around about 10,000 employees. Where we deal with also on top with energy questions. We deal with um, uh, traffic questions and overall, and I'm heading the uh, Institute for um, uh, Vehicle Concepts, not only focusing at the rail, but also at the uh, road, uh, overall vehicle concepts. And in my former uh, job, I was, uh, for example, 12 years head of innovation, head of uh, product management, and head of all physical engineering at uh, Bombardier Transportation. So I have a vast background of um, questions around um, railway as such and uh, that makes uh, life uh, very easy when uh, moving to the DLR uh, leading this uh, type of uh, research as well. And you, you also have an academic background. Um, I guess it's a premiere for us. You're the, you're the first professor here, actually. Right. Yeah. So I'm uh, teaching a railway at the Technical University of uh, Berlin, and I'm uh, teaching um, cars, so on-road traffic, um, vehicle concepts at the University of uh, Stuttgart. So you are highly, highly, uh, you're a highly expert. And because you're an expert, I, I would like to start with our first uh, icebreaker question. You deal uh, with vehicles in great detail in your professional work. I guess that's pretty, pretty clear now. And um, what would you take for a spin? A Batmobile, a James Bond, S. Martin, the Orient Express or a Falcon 1? Ah, that's a tough question because if I had only to choose between these four, I guess I would take the Batmobile. Because I grew up with uh, Batman and Robin as one of the major TV series uh, when I was a kid at that time. And as a kid, of course, I was exploring the world. And I'm still fascinated in exploring it continuously. So that is what I would take. But if I would, <coughs> uh, say, uh, have an open offer, then I would take uh, for uh, short distance trips our own um, hydrogen car named SLRV, a small light uh, <coughs> vehicle. And for the long distance, of course, our next generation high-speed train. Believing in what is built by ourselves is, of course, then the best. So uh, we talk about that maybe later, but you're a professor and you would take the Batmobile. Is the Batmobile something that could really um, be part of the change of mobility or, or is it some kind of... Uh, not not really usable no the, the the batmobile is just a, a link for me to my childhood where i was um, open curious entering the world and as a researcher i still keep this kind of attitude um, be okay. open be um, fascinated <laughs> by what is going on and still exploring the world and trying to make it better you still curious? That's good because um, you write a lot of papers um, as a researcher. Um, but if you have to write a novel and not a paper, um, what would be the subject of your novel? A novel, and what would be the title? 
Uh, yeah, maybe let's talk a little bit about my, my hobby there. I'm interested in um, the subject of evolution. Okay. So I would write a novel about uh, evolution, but linking it uh, to what I do uh, personally um, in uh, my um, working life. So the title of the book could be, for example, Learning from Evolutionary Patterns and Dealing with uh, Disruptions and uh, Emergence. That would be uh, what uh, I would uh, do uh, to combine a private and uh, a working life. That's uh, that's a heck of a title for a novel quite, quite long, frankly. Um, that's true. But yes. <laughs> uh, you, you just spoke about evolution. It's, it's really funny because uh, usually it's always you know if you if you if you start to think about what to say in the interview, what to ask is you always try to link questions. And uh, for this one, I haven't prepared any links, but you you are delivering links because my next and last and final question for our iceberg question would be, uh, which historical person uh, would you like to cook with? That's a bit like evolution. And what what would you cook? I mean, you could go way back and meet, I don't know, um, Thomas Edison and have a barbecue in the Central Park, uh, for example. But w what would you what do you prefer? Um, yeah, let me dig into history and also take a link there. Um, my favorite person in history is uh, Queen Elizabeth I. Oh, really? Uh, she was an important leader in Europe in the Renaissance times. And in Renaissance times, uh, there was a uh, lot of change going on. A lot of new stuff uh, coming up, even if it's called uh, Renaissance. Um, and what she managed is uh, to um, uh, pick up um, <coughs> um, what is uh, called uh, evolution, uh, doing new things uh, there for her uh, people, of course, while uh, managing that war only took place outside of her borders. So uh, she keep, kept peace inside uh, Great Britain, inside the UK. Well, for example, just across the English Channel, so in the area of today's Benelux countries, they started an 80-year war at that time, which was leading to that 30-year um, war in overall Central Europe. And so instead of destruction, she really managed to foster big step forward, uh, for, forward in uh, the quality of life. And of course, also technology being picked up there, um, new types of boats is what came up during her time, etc. So um, that is uh, where you see a link, uh, for example, between evolution, Queen Elizabeth, and um, uh, what, what my uh, subject uh, in life is as well. And if I would say with a wink of an eye, uh, what uh, would I cook? I would say Irish stew. <laughs> Because Ireland and Great Britain uh, are linked uh, to a certain instance. And um, she also already at that time uh, struggled with that link. And uh, we still see that struggle going on today. Do, do you think that uh, Elizabeth I is uh, famous enough, or let's say her, her call in history is, is um, for all the things you just mentioned, that's pretty new to me, For well, not pretty new, but kind of new for me. Do you think that uh, the society in a retrospective um, treats her well? Um, uh, partly, yes. Um, <clears throat> so um, she is looked uh, with um, a mixed um, uh, kind of uh, eyes. Um, uh, she was uh, trying uh, to keep, uh, for example, uh, religion um, uh, at uh, equal uh, level. So Catholic and a Protestant religion, uh, she tried uh, to level out. So she was a um, kind of a human being, uh, always uh, trying to um, find um, a balance. She's very well equipped with balancing, so she is a master of uh, management, mm. uh, that uh, kind. But on the other side, uh, it still was um, just after Middle Ages, and um, 
uh, how she acted, of course, is still um, far away from what we believe today uh, should be done. So if looking at, with our eyes at her, it's a, it's a mixed feeling. Looking at her um, from the yeah. eyes of her own people, I think uh, she would uh, be named great. That's, that's really interesting, but we, we need to need to keep focus, actually, not that you are getting a call from the history department of the <laughs> Freie University in Berlin or something like that. <laughs> Let, let's change the topic. You said she was a great manager, and that is um, also a good lead for our first question, actually. Uh, we're having a lot of um, the word getting globalized quite, quite fastly, actually, at Correct. the moment, and uh, we're having a huge climate crisis. So um, how do you see actually the current development status of the high-speed rail cargo compared to the other options like air cargo? Yeah, the high-speed cargo, that is very well on its way, I have to say. Um, the ultimate goal, of course, is to uh, provide fast, punctual and safe uh, delivery into the uh, major centers um, in the major cities in a kind of environmental sensitive way, of course. So we at uh, the DLR, we started to develop uh, high-speed double-deck cargo trains um, a couple of years ago. We named it um, Next Train Generation Cargo. And the target okay. uh, of that development is uh, to share high-speed routes um, between passenger and cargo operation in a kind of mixed mode. Um, so that is uh, <coughs> where we say cargo is um, equal to um, a passenger operation. And in uh, the logistic hubs uh, where you load and unload, um, Uh, what we planned is automatic simultaneous loading and deloading on both levels of that uh, double deck uh, train within a clock rate of three minutes. So it's uh, fast um, <clears throat> as such and um, uh, uh, so very in innovative. And uh, the necessary technologies for this type of trains uh, are currently being tested by the DLR, for example, um, single wheel drive in Oberpfaffenhofen. Mm -hmm. What I see on the other hand is that uh, China is proactively picking this up. So last December, maybe you know about this, the rolling stock builder CCRC from China, they unveiled a prototype of a 350 kilometer per hour eight car train set aimed at that logistic market. So we talk about CAP, that is a CEP, a courier express parcel service. And they have the same setting. So they have a roller floor, an automatic roller floor inside these trains. Um, but they were quite clever, so uh, they strategically um, <coughs> took a uh, passenger train, high-speed passenger train, and molded into a, a freight uh, carrier uh, using a single deck at that time. So they tackled the logistic principle first before taking the next step into a double deck EMU. Yeah. And then it's the most economical approach because they have a high degree of reuse, of course, uh, from the um, passenger and train. It's cheap, it's, yeah. uh, cheaper. You have the identical parts in there. And uh, so they can facility market entry and the market grows uh, quite rapidly. And there's also maybe maybe one kind of, um, well, it could be used at the One Belt, One Road project, actually. Yeah, that is uh, what I call the Silk Road. I think the Asia call it the Silk, yeah. Silk Road from Asia to Europe. So um, looking at the 10,000 kilometers from uh, Shanghai to Duisburg, for example, where we have a big uh, turnover port in uh, Germany that uh, will be served maybe in 10 years from now within uh, two to three days. Uh, currently, a train takes uh, 14 days on that route. A plane takes one day. So uh, two to three days is a really um, business-wise um, competitive because a plane 
it costs um, uh, 3,200 um, uh, euros um, uh, per ton, which is uh, shipped by a plane, while we are only at uh, 400 um, euros per ton uh, being shipped by a train. Okay, that's, that's real numbers, and that's um, that's kind of interesting. Um, so that's that's way cheaper. And you say it's, it takes ten years. Yeah, um, ten years uh, to really make that Silk Road um, from uh, Shanghai to Duisburg uh, high speed um, uh, operation. It's uh, quite of a constructive work which needs to be done. Uh, you see, you go through Russia there, for example, and some other countries yeah. which have a complete different um, uh, setting. <laughs> <laughs> it's basically Russia and then it's Eastern and Europe. Eastern Europe yes. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. Yeah, also with like pretty correct. Cool. Yeah, but but what I see is that high speed freight trains, uh, maybe that is also where your question is aiming at, that will have a market from roughly 600 kilometers uh, and higher in that kind of range. So it's actually, it, it will be leading the, the freight. Um, business actually the logistic business uh within the next 10 years so because it's cheaper and if the infrastructure is built it could be like really yeah compared to air or ship it could be uh correct could be a new yeah, ship, new ship is of course cheaper as i said a rail roughly 400 euros per ton um a ship costs only 140 euros per ton uh, but it takes around about mm. 29 days from yeah. and with a train, high-speed freight train, you will see uh, two to three days in operation. And then secondly, uh, what you see in China is um, they have uh, the um, uh, high-speed uh, plan uh, just uh, released, uh, the last one in August uh, last year. Uh, they expect that by um, uh, 2035, um, they have 70,000 kilometers of high-speed lines only in China. So within 15 years, well, here in uh, Germany, um, uh, we plan yeah. around about uh, 2,300 kilometers. So it's a big difference. So they are um, pushing much harder and uh, dealing with that much faster. So let us, we, we just looked in the future and let us, uh, you, you as, as we learned in the intro, you, you have a lot of different uh, targets. One is also, as I found uh, on the website, is also intelligent mobility. So maybe let us talk about which digital trend offers the most potential for the change actually in the rail industry. Um, yeah, so that falls back uh, to my um, hobby profession um, uh, where you look at evolution. And uh, looking at evolution, technical evolution, calculation performance has doubled every second year since uh, 1949. So that is Moore's law. Uh, that is uh, quite abstract, um, doubling um, uh, performance every second year. If I take uh, something you know, uh, that is a VW Beetle, for example, from 1974. If that car would have been developed uh, in the same pace uh, like the microchip has been developed, it would have a top speed today of 4 billion kilometers per hour yeah. and cost 14 uh, cent. So that is what is happening in uh, the um, market of uh, digitization. And uh, the second aspect is um, digitization. Uh, today, everyone talks about 5G. Uh, connectivity um, uh, technology, fifth generation uh, connectivity um, uh, technology being rolled out. If we just uh, talking had been talking about 2013, uh, 10 years from now, um, as a Silk Route, mm -hmm. then probably we will see introduction of the seventh or eighth generation, far away from the fifth uh, doubling uh, performance every um, second year. And um, if we manage innovation, 
then we need to think in these generations um, and uh, implementation will be uh, driven by that uh, technical pace and of course by cost uh, definitely yes that, that's a good point because uh, you just mentioned the next 10 years and um, but also how will be our uh, mobility consumption change so uh, what what is the next vehicle actually that we we will talk about at innotrans 2030 is it the hyperloop is that a system that could change our way of how we move actually well, i digged into hyperloop um, hyperloop uh, energy wise uh, is a system which uh, consumes half the energy uh, of a modern high-speed train that is good Uh, it even consumes um, uh, five to six uh, times or less than an airplane uh, going uh, the same uh, distance. But cost-wise, uh, it has no chance uh, to compete with other modes. So it's a kind of uh, fair attraction, maybe. This is what you can uh, do with it. And it has, at least in Central Europe, um, also uh, heavy uh, con uh, restrictions in the uh, construction, uh, how to, to build it. So it's too complicated to to actually to build the infrastructure um, for that for the benefit you actually would have. It has to go high speed, so you can't build it uh, along uh, the uh, railway lines or the highway uh, because it's too curvy. And at the speed the hyperloop goes, uh, the curves uh, need to be uh, much uh, shallower. So you have to build it somewhere uh, <coughs> straight uh, through the countryside, and no chance to do this in Central Europe. So then there would be only Flensburg, uh, Munich. For, for example, like but that. as you see, we already have problems uh, to be build um, um, electric uh, 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 wire from uh, northern uh, Germany to southern Germany to uh, transport um, electricity from uh, the wind power plants from the uh, northern seacoast. So a hyperloop uh, probably is a no go. Maybe Hyperloop is something for Batman then. Um, let us, let us, let us, because yeah. time is always running, uh, like, like, like the Hyperloop, actually. This, this podcast episode is a bit like a Hyperloop. Um, last question. What will you actually present us at Innotrans 2022? Yeah. Um, every uh, technology, which is uh, connected for what, what I have been uh, mentioning uh, just recently. So, for example, we uh, do the uh, high speed uh, cargo study at the um, Innotrans. Uh, 2022, of course, um, we look at uh, technologies like a virtual coupling of uh, trains, so to have uh, more trains um, at the same time on uh, one uh, route um, to uh, increase um, the, um, let's say, performance of the whole system. We would look at um, down to technologies like high power density electric motors um, uh, to make uh, these uh, trains even more uh, efficient, um, uh, consuming less um, uh, energy. And uh, last not least, of course, um, it's all about um, also the um, what we call stations in a modern uh, talking, we say nodes, um, the railway stations, they are old, they're bottlenecks. And uh, then we need to invest, of course, uh, quite a lot of money, but uh, need to do it um, strategically clever so that we can increase the throughput through um, railway stations and keeping still railway uh, attractive more attractive than it is today so there's actually the ba the main task for the society part making making rail more attractive correct yes it is uh, uh, threefold um, linking it to your question about uh, mobility consumption we have to decarbonize that is uh, the green deal yeah. um, so there we have uh, to see that we um, have enough regenerative energy for rail operation that is quite a huge task uh, of course 
um, where we don't have uh, overhead wires, we have uh, to replace uh, diesel trains by, um, uh, <coughs> let's say, um, probably hydrogen trains, I guess, or battery electric trains. And then energy efficiency, of course, we need to increase as well. Um, uh, because uh, the uh, degree of utilization uh, today is uh, still uh, too low for the overall system. So that is uh, where linked to the station discussion, we have to increase this. So we, we, we learn actually there's plenty of things to do actually, and we're really looking forward to meeting you and uh, the German Aerospace Center at Innotrans 2022. Thank you for the interview. It was, um, it was really fun actually, because uh, we got some good points, but still there's a lot of work to do um, and, um, Yeah, thank you, Professor Zivkes, for the interview. Thank you as well, um, uh, Tim uh, Wegner. Um, I'm, I'm also looking forward for the Innotransit 22, hoping that it will be not an, a virtual um, affair, but we will uh, meet uh, there in uh, real life. Thank you. So this is it for today. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you again, uh, Professor Dr. Zivkes, for the interview. And uh, everyone, we have uh, audience and listeners all over the world. We are really, really amazed. Uh, there are people in Australia, for example, listening right now to this podcast. There are people in Indonesia, in Latin America, in Brazil, Argentina, Chile. There are people in Northern America. Um, there are people in Europe. Um, hi to everyone. We are, we are really happy that you uh, like our podcast. And if you have any further suggestions, Simply uh, write us an email at uh, podcast at innotrans.de or write us on LinkedIn or Twitter. And uh, yeah, we will be back. That is the good news. We will be back at the 10th of August, actually, with another ex. Yeah, I don't want to say too much, but it will be a great interview partner. Till then, uh, simply stay on track and we will hear again. Have a great summer. Bye.